1: I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. Today, as we continue working our way through the book of Judges, we come across an amazing judge, a famous judge, the judge that we know as Samson. He'll be the source of our study over the next couple of programs on Way of Grace. Bible Church here in Hayward and online at Grace-Bible.com. Welcome to Way of Grace. Pastor Jesse Gastand has been working his way through the book of Judges, not so much verse by verse, but rather judge by judge. And today we begin a wonderful look at the judge we know of as Samson. Before we can get to Samson, there's got to be a birth, and pretty much true to scripture. The birth of Samson is not a usual normal birth. There are lessons to be learned from that. So before we get into Samson proper, let's get into his birth, shall we? Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace.
2: Now in front of us are fundamentals of faith under the analogy of childbirth. And the analogy of childbirth, you know, runs from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. Is one of those greater narratives that we cannot avoid because inherent in the childbirth is the nature of God and the redemption of sinners in the person of Christ. I say, this is what we call an epic narrative. This is your meta narrative. This is what makes marriage and having children so glorious and as the angel is going to tell us, so wondrous, so difficult. So confounding, so secretive, so incomprehensible, because it points to the mystery of the incarnation. That's why it's such a trouble. But today we want to learn some things, don't we? So Lord, help me empty my mind of thinking I already know, because I don't. That's the problem with not benefiting from the preaching. You're not ready to learn. You already know. But in front of us is the paradigm or analogy of childbirth in its preparation. That's before conception, talking to the young people. In its conception, that's the fun part, talking to the young people. (laughs) Then the birth, which is the hard part, talking to mama. But it's more than that. It has to do with the development of the child. for the glory of the God that gave him life. And that's where young people and those of you who are in the midst of raising children need to pay very very close attention to what I have to say because there's so much here for our benefit. Now, the young man that's in view today, his name is called Samson. And he's coming into the world shortly in a special way as a special person with a special task from a special God who we might add also have very special parents of which I want to elicit from them today why you young people want to become special. Because you want your children to be special. Since you believe that your children are the consequence of a special God. So pay very careful attention to how this unpacks. Now, when I said that Samson comes into the world as a special person, it's because in the uniqueness of propagation and proliferation and and, and, and childbirth and deliverance and all that, the parents of the child have had a conversation with the angel of the Lord before the child is born. That's special. See, I live in a generation where having babies is not special. Lord help me. I live in a generation where conception is not special, it's not supernatural. It's not transcendent. It's not God-oriented or vertical in its radical reality. I live in a generation today where it's just nothing to conceive a child. And unfortunately, a bunch of church folk feel the same way. When in reality, what's in front of us every time there is a conception in the womb is something special. Ask any parent that's trying to have a child and don't have one for years. And how difficult it is to conceive and sustain the conception all the way through the process and then to deliver the child healthy. Ask any parent or person how special that is. You and I could sit up for a minute and talk about the rarity in comparison to all of the attempted conceptions of the child to actually be conceived, develop, mature and then come forth, the rarity of it, and the infinite number of natural abortions and miscarriages. It's a special thing. And I want young people to understand how special special it is. And you young people can own the Yahweh Malak and his message to you today as yours. Even before it's your turn and say, the Lord has already told me what to do with the child when it's conceived in my womb. I already know. I was there that day when the Lord spoke to me. Even before I got my man. I will not come home. <laughs> Or if you are a young couple that have just naturally entered into the mystery of marriage and you are wondering whether or not it's in God's plan to bring that about in your life, you can go, God has already told me what to do. Because you heard it today. So now we have to look at this special man called Samson, of whom there is no other judge out of all 12 judges like Samson. This particular individual is so unique, so uh, special. There's none like him except the one to whom he points, and that's Jesus. And we will unpack that over about five to six messages. We will see the uniqueness of what God calls a one-man wrecking crew. All the other judges needed team players. This judge had the whole apparatus in himself. This judge is like my savior. My savior alone redeemed me from all iniquity, all by himself. But like this judge, my savior had a problem. He loved strange women. That'll come home in a minute. I would have you, I would call your attention to the last verse before I get started. You got time for me? Look at verse 24, because I know that as we make our journey through the several different uh, applications of these next three or four chapters, I'm going to lose some of you guys. So if you want to get back on the train, when the train swings around the corner and the G-force throws you off of one of the compartments because you can't keep up. Remember, this is what God said about my man, Samson. Are you ready? And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. So I don't care what you think about Samson, you got to deal with God. Now you can learn how to define blessing in light of God's sovereignty and in light of God's providence and in light of God's being able to work all things together for good to them that love God. Now you know how to put the good and the bad and the crazy and the confounding together and know that God still knows how to bless his people. All right. Point number one, let's deal with the paradoxical nature of the blessing of the fruit of faith. Faith, we have to do that because what our text lets us know is that we are dealing with a barren state of affairs. Y'all see that? A barren state of affairs. So let's look at it and make sure we capture the essence of it. I don't want to be long in that regard, but I certainly want you to get it. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, right? That's the barren state of affairs spiritually. Please get it. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. That's the barren state of affairs. Spiritually and nationally on a larger collective level, the barren state of affairs. Why? Because Israel now has once again, as an unfaithful wife, left her husband. No wonder she barren. Because she's not dwelling with the one who redeemed her and promised her life and multitudes and numbers as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. How are you going to bear all that fruit if you leave the God of life? Anybody keeping up with me? So she left her husband, Jehovah. I am the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the God that loved you enough to buy you and redeem you that you might be my wife. Y'all do know that, right? So she leaves Jehovah and runs out with these dead gods. Now, you know, you can't get life out of a dead God. Did you know that? Now you can pretend you can paste pictures up like y'all having babies, but there are no babies to be had because all the gods of the heathen are idols and they're dead, and they can't do good or evil, and they certainly can't give you life. See what I'm getting at? And so quite naturally, the only thing that's happening here is a bunch of flesh movement. Right. They were taken into captivity, Brother Mac, by the Philistines. Now the Philistines represent the flesh. This is the unique paradigm of the conflict of the people of God that passes on into the New Testament. You and I have our most formidable battle against the flesh. See, they were dealing with all kinds of enemies in the land of Palestine. I actually sent a a map over. I don't know, Tansha got it, but she may not have passed it over. I would love for you to see it. What you would understand is that the several battles that you and I saw that would have to be expanded. I'm sure you can expand it. The several battles that you guys saw were battles where the enemy went up north and we're dealing with the northern judges. Now we're coming down to central Palestine where Samson is. Can you guys see where Samson is? Samson is right up against where? Bethlehem of Judah. Is he not? Y'all see him, right? OK, good. So, I mean, some of them squinting because they can't see. That's all right. That, that's not going to help. All right. I should, okay. So, all right. You guys see Samson right there, Ashkelon. So you guys see Samson under Deborah? You see Deborah and then Ehud? You see Ehud? You see Jephthah up to the north? It was better since. Leave it there. You see Jephthah up to the north? There you go. You guys see that? Yeah. Give her a hand. Give her a round of applause. She's going to expect me to pay her more for that now. <laughs> I'm messing with you, girl. You know I'm messing with you. Anyhow, I want you to understand strategically the land of Palestine represents the life of the believer in the conflict and battle of being in between grace and glory, being simultaneously righteous and what at the same time, and therefore having battle battles in different areas of our life in different areas of our psychological makeup in different areas in our personality traits in different areas of social political battles against the glory of God. Did that make some sense? It ought to. But one of the most formidable battles is the battle. We will be able to see the Philistines and the Amorites and all the rest of them. Uh, There we go. You guys see the Philistines down at the bottom? See the Amalekites, Jebusites? The Philistines are closest to Jerusalem. You guys keeping up with me? I just had to do it for the visual just to help you. The Philistines are closest to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the center of God's purpose for the people of God at that time. And the enemy definitely wants to bring it into captivity because in Jerusalem is the man who can redeem the whole world. And if you can take Jerusalem, then you can stop him from showing up. Did y'all get that? But God always has a plan to frustrate and thwart the plans of the enemy. I want you to look and notice that it says Samson, Judges 13 through what? Samson is God's ram in the thicket. Samson is God's battle axe. Samson is God's preemptive strike against the flesh to stop the flesh from taking the territory of Judah and the temple so that Jesus can make it in. Am I making some sense? Right. Now, there's one other brother that we want to be remarkably committed to in relationship to Samson, because Samson also anticipates him, and he's the one that will be born in Bethlehem of Judah, too. He's the foreshadow of the ultimate one born in Bethlehem of Judah. And what is his name? David. David. David is the one that's going to actually subdue the Philistines until Jesus comes. Remember the five Goliath brothers? Only David could handle him. A one-man wrecking crew with a slingshot and stones representing the power and foolishness of the gospel, accomplishing our salvation as our only savior, taking our place because we cannot deal with the Philistines. We don't have the ability to overcome him. We need a savior, a rescuer, a redeemer, someone who will stand up for God and be operating in the power of God to take out the giant of the flesh in our life so that we can be liberated to serve God. Am I making some sense? Well, on our way to 1,000 years before Jesus in the life of David is some 300 years before David, maybe 200 in the life of Samson. Just wanted to give you guys a little historical. There's a lot there, isn't there? See, because if you actually believe in the importance of the historical narrative of scripture, we call that teleology and theology. Journeying with God from the beginning of time to the end of time is what it means to be a Hebrew. Journeying with God from the beginning of time to the end of time is what it means to be a Hebrew. And all of us are Jews by faith in Jesus Christ. And we are closer to Abraham than Abraham's own children right? If you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs of the promises of God. And we're making our way through this world. Are we not, ladies and gentlemen? You will be smart to know that all you're doing is written a habitation down here. You're not going to be here long. Come on, people, tell them. The one thing I'm doing these days, which is a really a trip, I'm starting to now be a lot more self-reflective upon the way I think. This is really fascinating. Now, I like myself. I just want you to know that. But I'm doing a lot more self-reflecting upon myself, and I'm thinking about how I think now versus how I thought 30 years ago. And I'm going, man, I never, I never would have thought I would be thinking this way 30 years ago. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about so I can keep it moving. I can just keep it. See, you young people don't know. I remember when I was young like you guys and I used to go, I will never, I will never, never in my life. No, I will never. I'm doing it all the time now. And it's important for you and I to understand that you don't feel bad about getting old. Stop that false narrative. It don't make no sense. It doesn't glorify God. God doesn't mind the fact that his name is the Ancient of Days. See, I'm only going to get done with one point, I can tell. He doesn't mind giving us his age. Because when you're older, if you're wiser, and you're wiser because you're in Christ, you can help everybody behind you. And that's your job. Your job is to help everybody behind you. And really, young people want your help. You just got to figure out how to do it because they're going to act like they don't. That's part of being young. You put up these fronts. Oh, I don't need to help, Dad. I don't need to help. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you you really do. You really, I'm looking. I can tell you need to help. (laughs) All right, so let's hurry up and wrap up this juxtaposition of being barren and yet called children of God because we have chosen false gods and now we're in captivity to the flesh. And the flesh is dominating our life out everywhere. The Philistines here are are moving towards Judah, as I stated in. And if we don't reckon with the reality that the flesh profits nothing, that's what Jesus said in John 6, 63 and following. It's the spirit that gives life. And so when you and I are leaning way too much into fleshly, horizontal, carnal, secular choices, we will never, ever realize the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Jesus Christ, because they are prompted, generated, brought about by spiritual principles. But the world will tell you it's all about the flesh. And this is why Israel is barren. And this is why God has allowed these two wonderful Christian couples, persons to be barren to because they are for our what? Learning. So under point number one, two subpoints. of the first one I've dealt with, 40 years of slavery to the what? That must be a nightmare. That must be a horrible thing to be trapped by a uh, impulse and propensity to simply value carnal things. That must be a horrible place to be now. I'm saying it somewhat facetiously, but I'm not. I've been saved now by the grace of God, kept now by the mercy of God, called and, 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 and kept within the parameters of God's goodness to me for 40 years. And I don't know what it's like to be absent of the power of grace to help me work out my choice making, even when I mess up so as to always be stuck making the wrong choice. That must be a nightmare. That must be a nightmare. And it has to be worse when you actually know God and his grace and the conversion of your soul. And yet in your negligence, still find yourselves dominated by the flesh. Because there's a part of your conscience that lets you know you are nowhere near what you are supposed to be by the way you are behaving. That must be horrible. Certainly there can be no peace there. So God gave them over to it for how many years? 40 40 years. That's a whole generation. That nation is messed up. They are just messed up. But now, do you know, children of God, that there's nothing too hard for the Lord? Right, he will let us get to that place where it is obvious and evident that we have no power. He'll let us get to that space in that condition where it becomes so evident that we cannot deliver ourselves. He'll bring us to that place where we are, are so absolutely barren in ourselves that as our elder said, there's only one thing you can do. Cry out to God. That's where God says, all right, that's my name. And I'm getting there. I'm getting there. God has a name. And that name is definitely Deliverer. So what God says is that the people of God are often like their Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that is? A root out of dry ground. There you go. The paradox again. Isaiah 51 verse 1, 2, and 3. Listen to it. You've heard it. I just want to lift up the uh, agricultural analogy. Here's the paradoxical nature of it. Isaiah 53, 1, please. Who hath believed our report? What report? The gospel. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who is the arm of the Lord? Christ. He's the strength and power of God. The question is, who hath believed our report? And the the question is not being raised to the secular world. It's being raised to church folk. Do you actually believe that God has power? Do you actually believe that God has a solution to your problem? The way we act often is what? No. Verse 2. Here it is. Verse two, for he, who is the he here? Jesus shall grow up before him. Who is the him? The father as a tender plant. Do you see it? God now is describing for us the nature of his son in the incarnation, because obviously Jesus as God in the totality of his ontological being does not have to grow. But if he's growing, that means he's taking on our human nature, right? So the father is looking upon Christ and he's telling us that this is what Christ looks like in the world.
1: Well, you have been listening to way of grace with pastor Jesse Gastand from grace Bible church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And, man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible com or by calling five ten eight eight six ninety seven eighty two this program continues to air here on this radio station and on the world wide web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can either give on a monthly basis or it 's a one time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. I don't care what they might say.